I'm Lieutenant Pat Doring, Crisis Negotiator from WhatCopsWatch.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. exists and doesn't exist all at the same time for those in the know shield the strategic homeland intervention enforcement and logistics division is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by director nick fury its global reach with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe continues to grow shield's activities have been documented for a long time both in comic books and feature films Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. This is a trigger warning. We want to issue a different kind of alert to all that are listening to this podcast. If you are somehow showcased inside this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming because of either overly animated vocabulary or have a required penchant for going live at any time, beware. We're going to lay the hate on thick inside this episode review. Deke is back. Parasitic zombie alien birds. Agents in every single corner of the known universe and beyond. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's televised universe during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This time, Season 6, Episode 4, Code Yellow. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, so much to talk about inside this episode. But first, some super quick housekeeping. Aaron Montgomery and his family were in this weekend to record an outstandingly personal episode of the Small Business Saturdays podcast. And I wanted to make sure we point everybody to it. Check it out right now over at smallbusinesssaturdayspodcast.com. And enjoy a super cute piece of Americana inside of podcasting. Again, smallbusinesssaturdayspodcast.com. There's so much to jump into and step on inside this episode. Yeah, I got my Instagram loaded and everything, Do baby. You really? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm rolling live so we're all good to go. And hashtag read the sponsor notes. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Thank God this is a framework. Now, I'm not a big fan of jumping back into what was the network showcased inside of previous episodes, but as this as the front end of this episode unfolds where it's I won't say instantly overdramatic, but man, it spools up quick. And then the gunplay starts to get way out of hand where they're just firing at nothing and nobody. And then the, again, it just continues to spiral completely out of control. It starts to get milked with Deke's buddy getting shot. 
in the middle of the point at which he shouldn't get shot unless we need to have mega pathos painted. Mm. And then Daisy is rescued. Right. So as to just be coy and slutty enough to walk over to Deke and mansack him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it turns out it's the quote unquote framework back in play again. Uh, at first, I thought that maybe, hmm, did did Deke go out and get himself a job in television or film? And like, mm. is he describing mm. a movie or something like that? That's very interesting. Could his life in the future? Could him being from the future, you know, give him the ability to tell some great stories? And the answer is yes. It should be able to give him the ability to tell great stories. But no, we fall back on the framework. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but this super macho, masculine, (laughs) I got to save the day and I'm going to save the girl. You know, the girl who kept on saving your ass constantly. (laughs) I kind of refer to it as the douche work (laughs) because (laughs) instantly you put people into it and they turn into douches. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that Deke would have maybe evolved over the year since we've seen him. Yeah. But it turns out, No. You know what though? The slipperiest and easiest slope is often the one that captures you, and yeah. and so why we would assume that there's somehow some granted knowledge and and forethought on being able to not only comprehend grasp but then actually outlay that whole you know the with great power comes great responsibility stuff. Right. Well, Deke's just not able. Yeah. <laughs> he's just not. There are a couple he, of he, other things that I've got I've got a few issues with, and we'll get to those yeah. as we continue through the review. But but yeah, the the start of this, I had high hopes, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, we're going back to this. Dashed completely. Yeah. yeah. Deke is alive and is a douche VR game designer ripping off the past. <laughs> this is great. I had I had to act. It's why when you got here today, I was actually not yet done watching it, and it's because I had to go back several times just to watch this little piece unfold. Where yeah, not only do you see the front end, not only do you see ultra sexy hyper, you got to be kidding me, Daisy, but then you see this next portion where you the veil of what exactly is going on, and it's it's just douche tastic, <laughs> all of it, every, all of it. Everybody's yeah. dripping douche-tastic inside of this this front end. Anything you have ever seen from a hipster startup company <laughs> was here. Well, yes. And question. I'm not necessarily making fun of of the hipster crowd. They've given us a lot of great things. I can't name any of them, <laughs> but I'm sure that they've given us a lot of great things. This right here, I get what they were trying to do. It was it, This is our comedy angle. Because there's a lot of seriousness yes. laden in, not only seriousness, but horror yes. laden in this episode. Yes. I, so this is the comedy tilt that we have to keep on coming back to yes. to balance the episode. But I kind of think it was a little bit of an overbalance. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. And I didn't realize what you're talking about until probably halfway through the episode. Mm. Where where they're, they're still kind of drifting back and forth and then they'll insert Sequoia, who, by the way, yeah. is played by the executive producer of the show. Yes. <laughs> and I got to tell you... Kudos to you, oh, yeah, lady. I mean, definitely are, up for an Emmy in my mind. <laughs> you are spectacular and instantly made, especially with the the super you got to be kidding me stinger at the end of the episode, yeah. which we'll talk about. Uh, again, the, the balancing act of needing 
especially as we get later on in the episode, something to counterbalance the incredibly thick emotion mm. that is painted inside of this episode. And it all starts here where you realize that Deke is alive and is a douche VR game designer. <laughs> Secretary work in S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> we always get complaints about people going, Wilkerson, you're, why do you pick on these little stupid things that mean nothing? I'm not picking on them. I'm telling you that it's good to see these things. Well, yeah. Everybody forgets that, believe it or not, there are secretaries that work in S.H.I.E.L.D. that do nothing but shunt papers and file reports and make sure that files are backed up. And guess what? There's a janitor that works inside of the S.H.I.E.L.D. office. Believe it or not. Yeah, because they're not staff. calling Yo-Yo to fix the toilets. <laughs> And May isn't going to be doing windows. Yo, yo, grab a hand scrubber and the the uh, the duck the duck bottle for the for the toilet real quick. Okay, that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's it's not going to happen. And so when they take the time to show just these people that are a piece of the manufacturer, in this case of Shield, mm -hmm. I love it. I, yeah. it's, it instantly grounds you, especially when we start seeing the extraordinarily not real stuff later on. And it's a great counterbalance to the douche-tasticness that we just just experienced. It's it's really well done and helps ground you. Thanks for that. Fake Coulson is finally monikered. Well, there it is. We're now going to call him Fake Coulson <laughs> because he's called Fake Coulson inside fake of this. Fake Coulson. I also love later on that May takes total umbrage that anybody is referring to him as Coulson in general. Right. And I love that. Yeah. I, I love that she has reverence not only for Phil, but Phil's memory. And I, I think all of this makes me super curious to see where they're going to take the whole program. Yeah. Because we are, we are way off script here. This is not just evil Coulson. This is not, let's throw Phil Coulson into a leather jacket and now he's the Terminator. That's not what's going on yeah, here. Yeah, it's not evil there, LMD Coulson. Yeah, there, there is something very significant going on here, and I love that we're not, I, I, not only would I say we don't have all the cards, I don't think we have any of the cards, because there's just these little glimpses of what they might be doing and are planning that you have to, I don't think we've actually got one whole card yet. Yeah. And I love that because I know that the season is long enough to sustain all the little bits and pieces that we're going to get. And it's really, really fantastic. The creation of The Grid. And this is another really great piece where we're referring to what happened in the stinger of last episode. Where right. Coulson fires into orbit, I guess. And creates the grid outline that then showcases on the... Central United States-ish, and then the mapping begins. And the payoff for that begins happening inside of this episode. Mm -hmm. It happens quick, it happens detailed, and I love that we find out more about what's happening from S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. We don't get yet another piece that's handed off from the the, the fake Coulson crew. We don't, we don't learn it from them. We learn what S.H.I.E.L.D. has learned about what has happened over the course of the time that we were not watching. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's and part of the investigation. Really we get to be pervy to mm. the mm. In, the information given during the investigation. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're actually seeing them putting the pieces together. Again, they don't know what the picture is. They've got all of these pieces, and they're trying to put it together, and they have no idea what it means. Yeah. And we get more hints to what the cards might be, like you were saying earlier. But again, we still have no real hard facts until maybe later on in the episode. 
R.I.P. Harold Simcoe. We wow. hardly knew you. Wow. Well, well, we didn't know you, but yeah, nothing like wanting to go get on the bus and I don't know, head for Pittsburgh, and well, maybe not. <laughs> well, yeah, and he's, <laughs> this, this guy that. doesn't even look like he should be a target for anything, except no. except for maybe you know target male pattern thing. baldness. <laughs> and what I, I the reason why we're mentioning this point is because when Not Coulson eventually goes and does him in, there are some extraordinarily good. Uh, effects being pulled off here that if i'm not mistaken are a mix of cgi effects and then eventually practical effects. practical effects yeah that it looks like it it's extraordinary it yeah. is ex- it's extraordinary stuff uh, not only that it's it's extraordinary because it's there's several times inside this episode where i literally shook my head i couldn't believe what i was seeing right right it's like Whoa. and this Whoa. is the first one yeah, yeah this is the first one and it's incredibly well done mm. It is incredibly well done. It brought me back to images from John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm. Really you know, well the, said. The, not, the not, weird, the weird. I, I, you can't call it. Some of them looked like tumors, but then others looked like crystals. Crystal, yeah, yeah. hard crystals like coming the stuff out. That, that was in the Superman's uh, the House Fortress of Solitude. Of Solitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was extraordinary. Yeah, it, it's extraordinary. I, what I also love is you'd mentioned the thing. I totally, especially the later on in the episode we'll talk more about that mm. but the you're absolutely right just not nearly as horrific as well yeah, John Carpenter's yeah. well this is an ab this is abc on a friday night right but it's still like if you grab the stick and down the middle is kind of what you'd see at let's say seven o'clock central mm. okay this is gl- it's still the, graphic yeah. it's still graphic and Gliding it gets gra- it on- gets more graphic yeah. in the episode mm-hmm. <laughs> not a butterfly and plan curiosity we probably could have folded this right into the previous point, but I love that we continue to get layered detail mm. that instantly makes you curious about everything that you're seeing. Yeah. Whether it's on the shield side, whether it's on the douche-tastic side with what Deke is doing, or what's going on with the fake Coulson crew. All of it. It instantly sparks curiosity and wants to know more about the plan. Mm. Because believe it or not, whenever we watch a show like, especially Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you really do want to know kind of what the plan is. And the neat part is that there is no plan delivered at all inside this episode. There, yeah, you, nothing. you don't know what their plan is. We're, we're watching them fulfill their plan. This is the fourth episode, and within these four episodes, we know that part A of the plan was get into this universe. Mm-hmm. Okay, check. Part B of the plan was... Our equipment is low on power. Mm-hmm. We need to find the power source, which is jewels, not not diamonds, but quartz and, th- and rocks and things like that. Okay, check. Part C of the plan is to activate the grid. Check. We've got that. Part D is, okay, we have all these check marks. Let's go after these check marks. And now we understand that, well, they're people. Well, not people. But they're targets. There are actual targets that they're going after. Mm-hmm. It makes you start wondering, it's like, oh, so so what? what's next? I mean, after they go after all of these targets, what happens then? Mm-hmm. Four episodes in, it, it leaves you wondering, where is this all going to lead? It's pieces parts. Mm-hmm. And what I love most about what we're talking about, especially inside of this point, is that as the A, B, C, D, blah, all is, is that all continues to escalate and collect. 
what I never feel and haven't felt at all during the last four episodes. It doesn't feel like a video game segment or level. Mm, yeah. It doesn't feel like, okay, now you've reached level D. We don't, you don't have any of that. There, there's a sense of accomplishment. They're, they're able to take the twisty storytelling and weave enough around it so that there's padding mm. and you never just feel like it's okay. Check mark. You're now you're now you're over into level E. Right, right. You, you don't have any of that, and I think that's that's a depth storytelling. It's really well done. Fake Coulson, the tandem hand graphic and music. This is the first time inside of the series, I think. When I first heard the music laid over this thing where fake Coulson turns the corner mm. and in the background is the zooming in portion of the hand with the with the shield protective shield emitting from it graphic that's spinning behind him and the music that lays over it in general. It was the first time that the soundtrack in particular reminded me almost one to one of Thor Ragnarok. Mm. It, it's super. And I loved it. Mm. I love it. This scene that I'm talking about couldn't have lasted more than two or three seconds, but it's perfect. It, it it's it's the propelling of storytelling, and then it fires you off into a commercial break. And as much as people want to bitch about commercial breaks and how it interrupts the storytelling, when they paint it like this, I don't think it interrupts anything. I think it's an excellent break for the mind and also the bladder. <laughs> Deke begins laying the information trap. This is another piece that saved the you gotta be kidding me, it's a douche-tastic episode episode feel. Because you can see Deke's brain moving. You can see the gears moving mm -hmm. as he's running fake Coulson through the gauntlet of yesteryear and history. And man, wasn't it cool in my grandparents? Oh yeah, yeah. And then eventually gets to Agent Doug. I love it all. I love it all. It's it's a it's a, it's a not pretentious path to finding out exactly who and or who he is not. You're right. And I think it's probably perfectly played out. Well, I agree, especially because they're both doing it. Both yeah. both yeah. both Sarge and Deke are digging for information mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without digging for without seeming to be digging yeah for neither of them have a shovel in their in their hand yeah i mean sarge before deke starts talking I mean, he's got the knife ready he's gonna kill deke and then deke starts colson hey i didn't know you were alive and so it's like oh an opportunity to learn some things about this person everybody thinks i look like on this world okay smart it's almost a little creepy that with just a, 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 a lilt of his vocal tone and just putting on that fake smile, we've got Phil Coulson back almost. For Deke, especially, because at the beginning he is fooled. Yeah. He does think that it is Coulson. Mm -hmm. And it's not until the pronoun game gets uh, played out <laughs> by Sarge that he starts actually going, hmm, wait a minute, this might not actually be Coulson. Yeah. I hate cat and mouse because it's usually drawn out and, 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 and ridiculous. Stupid. Yeah. But this was a game of cat and mouse where the mouse was actually pretty smart and the cat was very coy and yeah. not just. It, it was a Tom and Jerry episode. <laughs> <laughs> it yes. totally was. Yes. The difference is that n neither of them get Tom and Jerry'd inside of it. Oh, no. And no, no, he does. Because remember, 
Deke uses that, that oh. <laughs> uh, I guess it was an award yeah. or something like that, to stab, stab his in the hand. Yeah. Not a fake hand. Not a fake hand. Yeah. No, you're right. You're not Bill Coulson. How terribly appropriate the Tom and Jerry reference was. Is that a baby dragon inside of Harold Simcoe? The raw effects of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, earlier inside just this episode, we'd referred to... Poor old Harold. Yeah, well, poor old Harold, but also The Thing. Right, right. Which is, for those that haven't ever seen 1982's The Thing, you are an idiot. You need to... You're missing out. You need to pause this podcast, go watch a movie, and come back, because it really, really is good. It's worth your time watching in a dark room at night. Watch it with somebody that typically gets more scared than you do inside of movies, and you will not believe the ride that that movie will give you. I watch it every December. It, it is phenomenal. It is easily one of my favorite alien movies. Right. Because, again, to blow it out of the water, <laughs> there is an alien involved in yeah, Well, yeah. It's also one of the one of the few films that the practical effects will just blow your mind. Yeah. There are things that happen inside of that movie that you couldn't possibly imagine. Yeah. And not so strangely, all of this it, with the crystals and the the poor semblance of Harold Simcoe, who thankfully they put a rag over his face. Right. Well, I, I, I have to tell you what a great move that was. Yeah. Not only just because, but it was just a good move. Mm. It allows you to focus on what the, the where you want to have the focus rather than on somebody's dead face. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really appreciated that. Inside of Harold Simcoe looks like a baby dragon. And I find it fun that we are on the now flittering waters of the end of Game of Thrones that they chose to bring out something like this. And it works out perfectly. I think that it's the the effects here are showcased wonderfully. The the look of not only the crystalline stuff, but the pulling open of the rib cage, the just the laying in there of whatever this thing is yeah. in there. All of it, it was just really, really super well done. Well, I mean, the fact that they call, they're calling it like a an alien symbiotic parasitic bird creature and i'm looking at it i'm thinking more bat i'm thinking more like an alien parasitic zombie bat sure and i also like the info dump that happens here where they're kind of telling you what this thing has done to harold simcoe well and the end and it gives you uh the example Uh, we have something very similar like this on earth and it's not zombies as in they're going to eat your brains it's zombies as in controlling. Yeah, utilizing a body. Right. Right, yeah. And it, I, I love it. The tether to real life is often more horrific than things that you could even yeah. possibly comprehend. And they picked one out here perfectly. And, again, the, the info dump and information that's provided is not overly layered where you go, my God, this is boring. Please shut up and move on with the episode. Mm-hmm. You don't have any of that. It's really, really well done. <laughs> Trevor is an embedded shield agent. <laughs> this is great. This is great. This also helps to make up for that insidiously douche-tastic front end of this episode. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it where uh, he, he doesn't roll in and save the day, but you instantly see that he is something that he is not. Yeah. As he's as he's sitting there crouched next to Deke. I loved it. I loved all of it. Well, I mean, it's a whole come with me if you want to live <laughs> moment, you know. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. You're supposed to be my best friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, that was nice, you know, a nice reveal. Oh, okay, so Shield has been keeping an eye on Deke this entire time, makes sense. But on the other hand, 
with as far as he's gotten with his tech startup and everything, especially if he's playing around with the framework, in my mind, especially the the members of Shield who were trapped in Inside the framework, the framework. Yeah. I don't think that they would be cool with Deke making his money, making his millions off of the creation of that technology. Yeah. That was another ding for me while I'm watching this episode. I was like, we've got somebody watching Deke's back. You're telling me that Mac and May and Yo-Yo don't know about the fact that he's got the framework up and running? Uh, and, and then, of course, the progression of the episode we learn a few other things and I'll bring that up once we get to it but this was this was yet again another another head scratching moment like r- really well one of the things that I always note is that during sometimes enhanced surveillance you tend to overlook the things right in front of your face i think it yeah. happens in just about everything and that it's happening here i absolutely took it and swallowed the hook without okay. question the doc might be allergic to latex i'm just kidding but this is another piece where he grabs the knife out of harold simcoe's tray slash body slash whatever yeah and places it on the table and behold he has no gloves and i'm telling you alien anything and then you insert the word parasite it's time to get on one of those giant biohazard suits much less gloves and that might be one of the uh the few continuity errors mm-hmm. because earlier during the autopsy he was he wearing gloves and then later on he does too when yeah. they start going into the other dudes. So, so it may have just been a case of they took the wrong take of that shot where yeah. he didn't have gloves on mm-hmm. i don't know uh again uh, another thing that i was noticing he also wasn't wearing a mask mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the others everybody else in the room not wearing something like that oh, okay i can i can kind of get by that but I mean, if you've got your medical examiner, <laughs> should be wearing. He, I mean, he's got the gown. Why doesn't he have the mask on as well? And yeah. uh, again, it's just one of those little things to where you can kind of go, okay, no yeah. big deal, because we brush over it so quickly because things escalate mm-hmm. after he takes the knife out. Yeah. The dragon is loose <laughs> <laughs> because it looked like a dragon in his tummy sorry man i get that they call it a bird and we're thinking bat blah and you kind of get more of the bat as it's darting around the room yeah, and yeah. the lights and the gunfire and and all that there's one thing i could not get off my brain why is yo-yo not using her goddamn powers to harness yeah. the bat with a bag or something i get it i get where the story goes i get what transpires all of it i guys i get it yeah she can move faster than any of us can experience time the only the the and this is just me playing devil's advocate of course but the only explanation that i could come up with is the fact that it's flying and it's up towards the ceiling so i mean her powers doesn't give her the ability to go straight up i guess really quickly yeah but then there is also dialogue later on once they're in the hallways looking for the creature that she says i'm not going to let it get it away this time so she she actually calls out the fact that she didn't do something quicker when it first escaped so it doesn't save it it doesn't redeem it but at least they mention it and and kind of uh and i i do kind of like that because it then begins to layer into that self-pity slash oh yeah yeah 
In flies the team to save Deke. One of probably the most memorable moments of this season, without question, is going to be when Mac and crew arrive. On the oh, you called Mac? <laughs> that was great. Yeah. It was great. It was a piece of playing to the audience. Everyone loves to see a Quinjet land. And I just so wish that they'd have brought the fans to make sure that the clothes that Trevor and Deke were wearing were blowing in the Quinjet wind. Mm. It's the only thing that was missing from that entire scene. It, but it was great. It, it was great. I also love, typically what happens when you have something this grand is that you then get on board the ship and then they begin to offload and it, the tension of the scene dies because it's not being paid off. Mm. None of that happens here. It's right. all paid off wonderfully. There's action, there's orders, there's do this, do that. Going on and off. You of the can ship, actually all feel the tonal shift yeah. happen there on the Quinjet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, as soon as they, as soon as May and Mac find out that Sarge and his team are there, it's yeah. like, oh, never mind. Instant no, game it's on yeah, moment. boom. Yeah, and I loved all of that. I yeah. thought that that was really, really good. <laughs> Keller gets overtaken. Well, that was easy, and I guess there's. <laughs> Very little in the future for Mac to have to worry about, and I, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll, you could, we'll find out. You we'll, could, we'll find out as this episode ensues. Well, right. <laughs> you you can focus on that. I want to focus on everything leading up to this. This was pure horror movie stuff mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the the close camera shots, oh, yeah. the dark lighting, the noises coming from different areas. I loved this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the hunt for the dragon, the baby dragon. We'll 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 stick with baby dragon. I here. like that alien zombie baby dragon. <laughs> the hunt for that all just screamed horror movie for yeah. me. So I, I I got a kick out of that. Yeah. And then they pulled the rope a dope. Mm-hmm. You know, you you assume that lifting yo yo up into the vents. Oh oh, she's she's, she's gonna doomed. get attacked. Yeah. And if she actually uses her powers this time. She might save herself. But then they pull the old switcheroo, and oh no, it's not in the vents. It's down in the hallway, and Lover Boy gets a mouthful yeah. of baby zombie parasitic dragon. Yeah. And it's it's all, I think, particularly well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's all tasteful. There's nothing terribly horrific, but it is the second time that I actually shook my head because I did not believe what I just saw. Hmm. And that's when I know that a, a show and or program has me. Right. When I can't quite believe what I just saw, so much so that I got to go hit the 10 second display twice <laughs> so as to go back and see it again. Right. And that's great. That's that's really what it, that's how it should work. <laughs> Keller is being attached to. I realize that this is pulling a piece out of a variety of different films, but the one that I remember the most is Probably the alien variant movie from director Ridley Scott, Prometheus. Ah, yes. In which there are several different scenes where the the victim is essentially tethered to a computer system. And as bad things happen, somebody dialogues what exactly is happening to them. Mm. It's effective. And it definitely gets the whole thing taken care of. But what I don't think people understand is that very often when you are attached to... Nothing good happens on the back end of that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I I can't tell you, I almost never tell people, oh, I saw this coming. Well, I I saw what was happening coming, 
Now, where we get to, I never would have thought that we would go that far with it, especially inside of this same episode. Right, yeah. And it's spectacular. It is, it's spectacular. But this whole being attached to and knowing what's going on, it's very, very descriptive. And there's just enough writhing slash primetime television-ness going on here that it works. Well, it's not like he's he's saying, "Oh God, it's going through my stomach," and oh now now I can now feel it into my vascular system. Yeah. he doesn't have that. right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's he's he's more worried about what what it's doing to his relationship. Tori, <laughs> I mean, he even makes the joke. He's like, "I know this might be pushing things, but I'd like to introduce <laughs> a, a a parasitic baby bird into our relationship." Yeah, I great. know he's trying to he's trying to make Yo Yo feel better about what's happening and. I appreciated the levity because it's his character. Yeah. I, I totally get the character, but I, I kind of also think it's he knows nothing good is going to happen right. to him from this moment on. It's also a piece of their, I guess we can call it budding relationship, yeah, that yeah. both of them understand. And again, it goes back to how dark this really does get very, mm. very quickly and why you've got to have all the douche-tastic uh, hipster uh, influencer-ness inside the episode. Yeah. Otherwise, it is off the deep end dark. Now it's time to sedate him. <laughs> I get that we got to have the repartee and the relationship and the blah, and then it's time to stick him with the sedative. But I'm telling you, the instant that the thing flew in his mouth, time to break out the syringe, dude. <laughs> I have an alien creature inside me. Knock me out. I don't want to be yes. awake for this stuff. <laughs> I just, uh, Nick, in case we're sitting in studio sometime. <laughs> And some alien parasitic baby dragon flies in my face, uh, down my throat. I would like to instantly be knocked out and not be woken back up until it's extracted. Not a problem. First yo-yo powers of the season showcased. This was very effective. I wish probably the advent of all of her powers would be showcased very much like this. I don't need to have the big giant slow-mo stuff. I don't have to have the using wet for dry effects used to try and make things look like they're slow-mo. What I would like is something very much like this scene where, look, he's not strapped down, and now he's strapped down. Right. Because that's what she can do. And I think that doing this kind of thing is what makes Yo-Yo an effective member and a, I'm going to use the word pawn, but a, a, a piece on the chess table of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. It's what she brings to the table. Yeah. And to deny her what she should be doing and and can do and is is trained to do and would always want to make sure there's benefit from doing it, I want to see more of this because I think it's terribly effective, even when it's just a blind instant like this. I also appreciate the fact that, that Benson actually has to take a, a, a pause and go like, yeah. how, how the how hell did, did you, you do, that? do that? Yeah. He's probably never been around an inhuman He's having a very busy week. <laughs> He's got a guy who, who's who's partially fused to a brick wall. Now he's got a guy that's that did have a parasitic alien baby dragon zombie creature in him, and now he's dealing with a, a chick with robot hands that can move really quick. Yeah, I mean, I love the character of Benson because. Everything is is new to him, mm -hmm. and yeah. we haven't had a character like that no. in a long time. Yeah. Everybody around all the people that are in S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of just knows everything. Yeah. And being able to bring that sense of, why is this so fantastic? When the answer is because it is fantastic, mm -hmm. back to the show is really fun. 
it's one of the things I thought of when we first met him in yeah. episode one. So I, I'm, I'm really glad we got him. Can you operate? <laughs> this is great. The only thing I could think of for a moment was like in a, you know, like really cheap El Chizo soap operas. Doctor, can you operate? <laughs> yes, the doctor can operate, believe it or not. The, the problem is that, yes, I can operate. Yes, I have a medical degree. Yes, I've been in the industry of medicine for probably longer than you've been alive. However, this is the first time, however, I have seen a parasitic zombie baby dragon attached to a man I've never met before. <laughs> so, yeah. Can you operate? I mean, there's no there's no book on this. I, yeah, I can't get a reference. <laughs> Somebody get hand me a copy of Grey's Anatomy, the Alien yeah. Edition. <laughs> Would you please hand me the uh, the it's right over there underneath that other book. It's the it's the copy of the Parasitic Baby Zombie Dragons Removal Process from Humans for Dummies book. Yeah, <laughs> it just, just doesn't exist. But but I love the the immediacy that this offers and the you know. Again, it's where you go, why is this show so fantastical? Not fantastic, mm. but fantastical. fantastical. No, 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 yeah. And the answer is because it's fantastical. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. But this time, it is about me. This is great. We've talked about the actor that plays Deke a lot, especially when we first met him. And the legitimate, the, the, the real world guy that this guy brings into mm. his deuce-tastic world is fun to watch. It, it, he just is. Well, he seems to have assimilated to modern life really, really damn well. quick. <laughs> yeah. Because he is you know what, the though, epitome when, yeah. of what's a, a young, hungry, business tech-savvy person would be. Because if, if you go back to earlier in the episode and you listen to the things that the company is working on it's literally everything that was an everyday occurrence for him in the future on mm -hmm. crumbs of earth yeah you know the food pellets the gravity belt everything they're trying Basing to everything on mushroom technology yeah, yeah just all of, all of that yeah all of that was all of that's perfect and th that you can kind of see all of his walls coming down around him and he realizes that these aren't the fake walls I've created over the course of however, however really long it has been, yeah. not just a year. But he can literally see all of those walls crumbling literally around him. Mm -hmm. And then he's got to somehow deal with it. And you do get to see him deal with it. I, I loved it. That was great. It's, it's a nice balancing act of the life that he once was a part of to, the, to wanting to save the life that he created. But then really kind of knowing, yeah, this is all over. Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do about it, but I guess I'm going to do the best that I can. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, he does step up. He does try to save Sequoia. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, things go a little slanted where that where that is concerned, but... Uh... <laughs> the melted drinks are a nice touch. Now, when clueless Sequoia comes back into the office... Because I've got to have my boba. <laughs> I later on after clueless Sequoia comes in and then she goes and sequesters herself inside of the incredibly luxurious bathroom dressing room whatever the hell she's yeah. in. Yeah. That that whole scene again my total kudos to the executive producer that is just delicious. And we'll have to try and invite her on the program because 
just all I this would love to hear me. her inspiration for approaching the character. Yeah, you know that there she has at least two or three people that she knows who she probably won't name, but she knows that there are direct influencers, quote unquote, that mm. were utilized and lifted so as to give the appropriate showcasing of Sequoia inside of this episode. And it's wonderful. And what I'm referring to here when I say milk the drinks is after Sequoia comes and she's got the fresh boba drinks yeah. that are clearly different layers of color inside of the inside of the cups, as you get to the scene when she's inside of the not so poorly off dressing room, bathroom, whatever she's in, when when she when they're moving her outside the room, if you look back behind her on the on the shelf next to the sink are the drinks and they've now just kind of solidified into the kind of this blah series of colors right because they're no longer frozen and they're separating it's it's very well done a cat fight on the catwalk <laughs> i love this this is all spectacular the this only is thing... what i watch agents of shield for ass kicking yeah ass and when kicking. you've got two great strong female characters doing it mm-hmm. It's even better. It is. And the only thing that makes the, the cat fight on the catwalk even better is that it doesn't finish out via either of the females. It finishes out via fake Coulson. Yeah. You know, just a, a 12. It's a 12 on the scale of 10 for this fight because right. it's just awesome. Well, because you got to remember, you know, things didn't go well for May the last time. You know, she kind of feels mm-hmm. like she mm-hmm. failed. She lost that fight, but it, it was kind of uneven. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going up against Jocko and Snowflake. Mm-hmm. This time it was just one-on-one with Snowflake. And she wins. She does yeah. win. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, before she can run her victory lap, frickin' Sarge comes in with, yes, a gun mm-hmm. and holds her hostage. Yeah. Matt gets his hand-to-hand game on. Well, all right then. Yeah. Because the only thing better than a couple of women beating the shit out of each other is Matt getting his game on wailing, wailing Yep. on this other dude that's aboard Sarge's team. And it's fun. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's, it's fun to just see him get wackoed. Anytime you allow our characters to get into the physical stuff where it's it has to be hand-to-hand, I have never felt that this show shirks when it comes to the choreography for the fight scenes. Yeah. It all looks great. It, it's movie-quality fight scenes. Max Horror at what Deke has made. There isn't just one scene for this, but it's an escalating series of scenes. Yeah, from both him and May. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's fun, fun, not haha funny, but it's wonderful to take in. The, the experience of them seeing what is now being created based on what was. Mm. It's spectacular, and I think it's one of the best pieces of what's being built this season. The line, specifically the line that May says, we never should have let him get this far. When she sees the room full of tech stuff on display that's, you know, supposed to be for investors. And then, you know, we get this scene where Mac actually sees... They put Jocko in the framework, and there's quite submissive Daisy on the monitor. Uh, again, it's he, now he knows the framework is in play, mm-hmm. and there is this look of disgust and horror on Mac's face. And to add to the douche level of Deke, 2%. I'll give you 2% of this company <laughs> if you don't tell anybody what you just saw. Yeah. And it's perfect. Yeah. It, 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 is, the, it is the douche-tastic puzzle piece 
that you knew had to eventually be played. And if there, I can't believe there it is. And there it is. Who doesn't like real world production design? The impact of killing the one you love. Wow. I, believe it or not, don't have appropriate words for the level of production design going on inside this one 25-second scene. Yeah. It is extraordinary. And it's, yet again, it's another marriage of the CGI and the practical effect, the practical makeup effects. And it's haunting. Mm -hmm. You know what it reminded me of? When I was 16, I was a usher inside of the Brookfield Square Cinema. Mm. And inside the Brookfield Square Cinema, I remember it vividly because the first movie I was able to go and usher was... Hellraiser. Ah, oh, Clive Barker classic. There's a scene inside of Hellraiser where Andrew Robinson, the lead inside that film, mm. he is being stretched beyond belief, and before terrible things happen, there's a piece where he goes, Jesus wept. And that is exactly what this reminded me of instantaneously it's it's completely different right right but the guy's arms are extended out there's all kinds of imagery that you really can't believe that you're seeing and it's exactly the same there where i was instantly transported back to that moment where i could not believe what i was watching yeah granted it was as an usher in a in a brown tuxedo (laughs) back then but it's spellbinding It, it is absolutely spellbinding what you see here and Again, a total tip of the hat to all of the production design staff members, as well as any of the special effects people that were involved in making this happen, because it's it's horrific. It's the third time in the episode where I'm shaking my head. No, oh, yeah. I can't quite believe what I've seen, and rewind. And the fact that it's Yo-Yo plunging the alien knife into Keller to stop it from... I guess exploding and killing pretty much everybody Everything. that's that would be in the vicinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, even if it's the one that you love. Yeah, and again, kudos to the actress that plays yeah. Yo-Yo because she yeah. totally pays this off. Mm-hmm. It sets the tone for her inside of this season, so that there has to be eventually either some kind of redemption, or I've got to try and make up for this, or yeah, the the. Needing to be able to tell somebody how she feels, that's going to be a fun moment. The clearly, I am not meta enough stinger moment. <sighs> I I am on Instagram. As am I. I, I am a reasonably heavy Facebook user. Mm-hmm. I like to do the Twitters. I tweet all the time. I am probably way too much on YouTube. <laughs> but I have to tell all of you that the end of this episode, I I am not anywhere near <laughs> what this person is showcased as doing. Right. And I hope that I never get there. I, I think I can remember vividly where I'd, I, I'd done a series of video captures. And back then there was no Facebook Live, but I was doing video capture for uh, Ustream. Mm. And when I was doing that, it was a lot of fun. I remember it, but I remember astonishingly having to put on a face so as to capture my video and then when the video was done my face would then come off and now i just go back to being mike wilkerson (laughs) and the problem is that sequoia here i don't know that she has any other face she's just got this 
influencer face that is always on, and when it's not on, it's still kind of on. It's still kind of on, yeah. It's disgusting to watch. It, it's <sighs> disgusting to watch, but I can't stop watching. Uh, well, I think it's also, A, because we are of a different generation. Mm. You know, mm. uh, be, even though I'm just about a decade younger than you, mm-hmm. still different generation, though. Mm-hmm. Another thing is is that I kind of feel like this is supposed to be the punchline to the ongoing joke of the episode. Yeah, I totally agree. But, like I said earlier, the, the balancing act of the seriousness and then the comedy douchiness wasn't balanced, in, and this is just for me, wasn't balanced enough to where it was a little bit too heavy on the douche. So then when you add this punchline... For me, it just falls flat. It's almost it's almost the case of sitting in a movie theater for a Marvel movie because you know that they're going to put that stinger at the end, and then it's a pointless stinger, like uh, let's say the one at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, where it's just Captain America doing one of those PSAs for schools. And we're like, uh, let's talk about disappointment. You know, it's like when you've been waiting for a long time for something because you think something's going to happen, it's going to mean something, but then it happens and it means absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You kind of feel like, oh, so the joke's on me. I'm the idiot. And this one kind of kind of made me feel, I mean, we, we do get a little unknown knowledge from the episode. Nice to see how things ended between Deke and Sequoia and now her, her new man crush. But I didn't need it. You take that off of the episode, and I, I feel like it's a better episode yes. not having that stinger at the end. I, but again, I, that's just my opinion. I do agree, and I think the I think they probably knew that they had captured lightning in a bottle with Sequoia mm-hmm. inside of this episode. And I can't help but think that they would have liked to have had this somewhere inside of the episode. And then they added on some of that last bit of uh, Trevor being the hero. Right. And they're like... What if we just make this this stinger? Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. And, and that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Oh, it's always fun capturing another episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. via the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nick, what are you doing over there? Huh? Yeah, uh, what, oh, what, I'm, what I'm, I'm live tweeting our review, Mike. Really? People got to know how it is to sit in a, a studio and doing a podcast. They just they just have to know. Oh yeah, my here, followers look. must know. Yeah, l- l- let me have your phone. I'll, I'll add in a couple of tidbits there. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Here, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll be right back during the Agents of Shield podcast. My phone. Fuck up, camper. Fuck up. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. 
Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Pucker up, Buttercup. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, not live tweeting. Our focused review on Season 6, Episode 4, Code Yellow. Every time we come back from break, it's time to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I find an actor's portrayal, a piece inside of the storytelling, or something else that trips our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Besides a broken phone. You bastard. <sighs> there was a lot of things I could have put into my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier from this episode, but I think I'm, I'm going to just narrow it down to the awesomeness of Clark Gregg. Hmm. Because when he turns on that smile and turns on the lilt in his voice where he's, no, I'm Sarge, and things aren't going to go the way that you like, because I'm going to have my way, and turns into Coulson for, for just a few minutes. Again, it just goes to the, the, the acting chops of Clark Gregg to where he can turn it on and off. Ooh, that's, that's creepy, because I know you're not Coulson. But I feel like you're Colson again, and I, w- I really want Colson back. Again, it, it's not him just playing an evil version of himself. Mm-hmm. We've said this before. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he doesn't have the dark mustache and goatee and the sash. Mm-hmm. He, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very curious moving forward, especially how the episode ended with May in the clutches of Sarge and his gang. I'm really interested in seeing what else Clark Gregg brings to the Sarge character moving forward in this season. Yeah, I think that's spectacular. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier moment for me inside this episode has got to be the overarch of the puzzle building that we're making for this season. Mm. We have, for the last three or four seasons, had what I think we've referred to as pods. Yeah. Where there are sections of seasons that specifically relate to insert topic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think recently you were explaining this to someone else inside of another podcast, so I'm kind of ripping you off. That's okay. And the <laughs> the, the piece that 
the pieces that we can kind of refer to are the Ghostwriter segment, mm-hmm. yeah. the LMD segment or pod, yeah. Yeah. the framework pod, blah. And what we don't have inside of this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is any of that. Yeah. And what you're getting is, imagine there, we don't even have what is the whole picture. Mm-hmm. But what we do have are the pieces, and there are color streams inside of the pieces, so you can kind of align them into the right areas, mm-hmm. and we're doing that right now. Yeah. We're doing it pretty quickly, where there's pieces being popped down every few seconds or so. But none of it makes any sense, and we don't actually know what we're building, but all of it's engaging. Right. That, I have to give that to the writers and creative staff especially wrapped in an episode like this one mm. that had so much douche-tastic in it, you thought it would just be ruined. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. It's not at all. It actually, again, it, it, it tamps down the darkness that is inside of this episode. If you'd removed half the soundtrack and you throw back in a bunch of horror soundtrack and you remove all the douche-tasticness that happens inside of this episode, you'd have had something that would have competed with uh, Ridley Scott's la- last Alien film. Mm-hmm. That's how dark this could have gotten. Yeah. I love that. I, I love it. it. It's another piece of how this show continues to paint itself as something that it is obviously not to be more interesting. And I love it. I absolutely love it. That's where we ask you guys, what's inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode? Season 6, Episode 4, Code Yellow. Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Chime in on any one of the threads there or start your own. Ah, the rating inside of this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. An incredibly well-portrayed zombie parasitic alien baby dragon. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Quato from Total Recall. Hey, hey, Quato is awesome. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Everything starts as a seven. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? You owe me for a new phone. Just, just, just <laughs> letting you, just reminding you. Yeah, Quattro will take care. Oh, of Quattro, yeah, Quattro will carry to pick up the bill. Uh, again, I don't want to rehash a lot of the stuff that I've said over the course of this review. This episode uh, fits fits in well with what we've had before. Uh, I had a problem with the balancing act of douche tastic versus the seriousness. Mm-hmm. But again, it did not diminish my enjoyment of the episode. It's great to see Deke is back and that he is now going to be swept in to the happenings of age of, the, of our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he too is not supposed to be here. Something that we we kind of uh, glossed over in the review is we find we kind of find out what Sarge and his team are looking for. Things that don't belong in this universe, things that don't belong on this planet. Mm-hmm. And okay, so we've got the the zombie parasitic baby dragon creature, but then we've got also things that are out of time. Mm-hmm. And that's why they they uh, targeted Deke. So with that addition to the story, I I mean, it it builds to the mystery of what this group of people actually are doing. Are they heroes in a roundabout way, just with really drastic 
intent and consequences? Are they trying to save the universe from things that don't belong here and they just don't allow anything to get into their way? Or, I mean, are they really just bad guys from another universe? I, I, again, we're, we're still building a mystery. But that being said, the failure for me in the balancing act of douche-tastic versus the seriousness, along with the stinger, I'm not taking anything away from the actress who was playing Sequoia. Who now won't come on the show. Who won't come on the show because I'm such an asshole. But that kind of that kind of just left a left a bad taste in my mouth. So my rating for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a 9. As this show continues to paint itself as something that obviously isn't every single episode. Because, you know, you think, okay, well now they're going to get back in line. Now they're going to start painting within the lines again. Right. We're going to start yeah. seeing a, a highway that we're familiar with. And, you know, it's going to start feeling familiar. None of this feels familiar. None of it. No. no. Zero. And I, I haha, marvel at that again <laughs> because it would be so easy to just paint right down the middle and go collect a paycheck and be done because, hey, it's Marvel. Right. Yeah. And they don't do that. They just don't do that inside of this show. Again, the taking the douche-tastic chance inside of this episode. I I love that. And I was so elated that we were dripping with that just seconds into the building of this episode because it helps pay off an incredibly dire episode. Yeah. I am going to join you on the ding for the stinger in particular. I don't know that we needed Trevor to become the douche-tastic hero. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to understand the value of that. I think it's just over-the-top... What if we do this? Let's put it on as the stinger. I really do believe that. Yeah. And so I, too, give this episode a very well-deserved nine. What did you guys think of this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence, facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Read what we're talking about and tell us what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host Thanks without for, a phone. Thanks for listening, except for Nick after he leaves here because he has no phone. And see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. There was a lot that I could have uh, shoved into my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier in this episode. Uh, uh, great performances, great uh, uh, great set designs. There was some great shit. <laughs> There's some great shit. 
Insert the show. Insert the tune. Shift. Insert the tone. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, let's do that. <clears throat>